Greetings, everyone. This is the Hipster Snack, and today, joining me for this lovely episode of the Tomodachi Bros podcast are three bros. And uh, first, going in alphabetical order, we have Clockwork Fiction. The internet's a series of tubes. Oh, that's a golden oldie. Next, we have Ditaku. Which is funny, because I think that's your weapon in uh, Chroma Squad. I mean, uh, probably. Yeah, don't look now, but I'm right behind you. Oh, no. And uh, with us also is a Mr. Noodle. Hello, I'm Noodle. He was indeed not snuffed out by the immortal eldritch goddess queen. Uh, he is still with us, thankfully. Yes, I wasn't snuffed out. She did not, in fact, resurrect me to <laughs> serve her needs. Yes, that's what my NDA says, and I'm sticking to it. That seems fair. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay, Noodle. As I understand it, the immortal god queen is currently uh, elsewhere, you know, in another state. So it's okay. You can, you can talk to us. It's all right. Yeah, but she might be listening. I was about to say, the podcast is public, so I, I don't fault you for being cautious. So, we have a, a rousing bout of nerd news, by the sounds of it. Yes, we do. I, was, uh, I have a little list here. Unless you guys have something to chime in first, I'll just start going through the list that I have. Yeah, I, I'm good. Alrighty. Uh, so we'll start with bad news first and we'll get into the, the better news. Uh, Fair enough. Random news. Overwatch 2 is now on Steam. Whether that's good news or bad news for you is uh, is up for debate, but if you decide you want, you don't care about Blizzard's browser, but you do care about Steam and decide to get Overwatch 2 on that, you're free to. Uh, the the, the good, uh, somewhat of a good news, if you don't like esports, which I think is a decent amount of people here, uh, here at least on this channel, um, the Overwatch League is paying teams about approximately $6 million per dollars per team if they decide to leave the Overwatch League with an approximate $116 million total. So if they all decide to take it, then the esports scene for uh, Overwatch is pretty much gone. And, <laughs> Wait, and, uh, to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying, are you telling me right now that they are paying them to quit esports? That's what it. That's what the articles I've been reading make it sound like. Whether it's they're kind of hyperballing it up or like that is up for debate, and I don't know the I don't know the the the, the factual statistics because I don't I'm not that in with you know that kind of stuff uh, as I would like to be sometimes. But it sounds like there it sounds like if you decide you want to leave the team, team gets to split up uh, gets a gets a settlement uh, payment, which the entire if all teams were to leave the settlement payment for all teams getting the $6 million cut would be approximately $116 million total. This strikes me as them just throwing up their arms and been going, you know, we, we, we done goofed. Which is really interesting because here's a, which is another one of their games that had an esports scene. Uh, pretty much, if I remember correctly, don't quote me on this one. And I think most of the teams and everybody are, got like an email and a tweet saying they no longer have jobs in the esports scene because they just all kind because they just like, no, nah, we're not gonna do it anymore. No settlement, no nothing. It was like a hand wave gesture, and then it was gone. And then suddenly, uh, hundreds of people lost their 
jobs. A hundred players lost their source of income from tournaments, and it was just like, and I don't, I didn't, be, I didn't be perfectly honest with you. Overwatch League was super hyped up. Uh, it was supposed to be like every city is going to have their own team, this and that, and the third, and it just like it, it, it floundered so hard. It doesn't. It doesn't help that Overwatch watching spectator mode is is really hard to watch too. We're like trying to figure out what's going on. Just for the average Joe to look there, it's like I see a lot of lights. That's all I see. I don't know what is going on at all. Yeah, it does. It does not make any sense. Let, let, let's not forget the uh, entire thing of the esport being incredibly artificial, and them mm. really putting the cart before the horse. And they're just like, guys. If we just make it, people will love it. And everyone was just like, no, no. But that one that movie. I, there was a, there was a, I don't know if, I don't remember if it was a commentator or a player. I remember someone had said beforehand, you, uh, it's caught, you do not make, uh, the, the corporation, uh, the corporation cannot make an esports for their game. The community makes the esports for their game. Which is why you know fighting games, uh, shooting games, and everything, and they, people play it for a long time. People decide to go out to get together, start putting money down on it, or start doing tournaments, and then an esports, and then a grassroots esports or tournament scene grows, and then you get like an esports community, a la Evo, and uh, and then a lot of like the Counter Strike League and all that kind of stuff of that spawned from it. That the Overwatch League was, I we're going to put down a giant investment and we're going to turn this into esports. That's not how that works. Unfortunately, yeah. Hmm? Uh, I was just going to say what they wanted was they wanted it to be like uh, a big name, like, you know, uh, like MLB or, you know, NFL. That's what they wanted. They wanted it to just be big and, you know, the cultural institution from the very beginning. But, yeah, it was all very artificial. Yeah, and then uh, another sad, another weird news is that Diablo Four released their season patch, patch one point one point zero, and all across the board, nerfs and terrible decisions. Uh, it is so bad, in fact, that the community was so outraged that they put out a statement saying that they're going to be releasing a new patch soon, reverting most of the decisions that they made. Um, which include, you know, nerfing a bunch of classes that didn't need to be nerfed. Uh, a lot of the issues that a lot of classes had were not resolved. Um, I think I think they said like the 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 premium chests you get, not like a paid chest, but like the premium chests you get called hell tide chests, uh, which kind of, they got nerfed, and the rewards in that was less uh, grinding. Grinding itself became more. You had to grind more to get more levels, so they artificially extended the playtime of the game for some reason. And they also, because of the giant nerf to everybody's power, they made the game inadvertently harder and more cumbersome to play at a time when Diablo was all about killing millions of demons at your own pace. At least I feel it's killing millions at your own pace. And you can challenge yourself by going into harder difficulties, but this doesn't have that right now. And in, in the terms that we don't have like uh, Torment 20 or 30 right now, we have like three difficulties or four difficulties. Because I'm not sure I haven't really gotten that far into it. But um, it, the entire the entire situation itself is they the game is good. The game, to my knowledge, is half decent. The every everything about this is about half decent. 
Endgame is not very good, which is what some you know Endgame people care about more. Which I don't understand that personally. I like Endgame and the story you go through for it. Um, the uh, but yeah, the the decision they made for doing seasons and what they thought that would make seasons fun, I guess, because I don't know how nerfing everything to the ground is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. Also, side note that I didn't put in the notes, uh, and I don't know if this is illegal or not, because I'm not a lawyer, Blizzard has a battle pass that released with this as well. Um, in uh, They have it particularly placed in a section that's easy to misclick by mistake when you're checking your season journey, and it does not have a confirmation of purchase. It just goes straight to the purchase of the premium battle pass. Uh, I think I think one. I think at least seven streamers, prolific or not, I don't I don't know who exactly they are personally, have said that they have accidentally bought the premium pass when they didn't mean to, to when they were going through content uh, because it did not ask for any information. It literally is click purchase. Your money's in Blizzard's hands now. <laughs> Which not only terrible. does that not surprise me, I, I'm just going to lay down a blanket statement. Unless your name is Deep Rock Galactic, don't have a battle pass because none of you guys have any idea what you're doing. Just, just I agree stop. with that. Like, like just stop. Um, and then uh, the last of the bad news, unfortunately, is uh, if you are a Gundam fan and you did like Gundam Evolution, unfortunately, they are taking their servers down soon. I didn't see a particular date. I don't know. That was still being discussed, or maybe I missed it, but I was told it was supposed to be happening soon. So, and I know that was kind of like Overwatch, but Gundam, and it was apparently really good. I never played it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, it was a huge Gundam. I don't know Gundam that much. I never was really in my sphere, although I have been telling myself I need to watch the shows and the movies and everything and get into it because I like Mecha and that sort of kind of thing. It's just for some reason I missed it. One somehow, how for how big and prolific it is, I it somehow never graced my spheres, my sphere and influence, um, in that way, and which is really weird. Uh, seeing what, yeah, it is really weird. It is ex- no, well, more the fact that one of your uh, our mutual acquaintances is a gigantic Gundam fangirl. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that she has not uh forced you to sit down while she, you know, streams. Gundam right in your eyeballs. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, That's what happens when uh, your last two suits come from Double O. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even more ironic considering she she loved Gundam Double O. I'm sorry. Like, I know this this might be a controversial statement of the episode, but I just didn't like Double O very much. It was like, it was okay. I'd watch it over Seed. But Seed is Gundam for people who hate Gundam and haven't discovered Wing, which was the same thing. <laughs> Oof! Wow! I said, so go, go on, uh, Professor. Go, go on. Tell us how you really feel. What, what's what's your thoughts on Gundam? Let me tell you a quick story of the first Gundam series I ever saw. It was Gundam Wing. Three it was on the later. it was on the Toonami block, and I watched it. And I was like, "Huh, this has big robots and lots of explosions. I like those things. Those are good things to have." And I watched a few episodes, and the main character just like kept blowing his Gundam up, and all the main characters sucked. And I was like, what is this? What? Like, why? Like, this is so close to being good, but it's not good. And then I met a certain Pugum, and he turns to me, and he's like, so you like robots, yes? And I'm like, yes, I, I indeed, I indeed 
like robots. And he's like, good, I have news for you. There are other Gundams, and they don't suck. And I was like, okay. So I started watching some Mobile Suit Gundam and G Gundam. And those shows are awesome. And then I was like, oh, I just started with the bad one. It wasn't that the series, like the meta series wasn't bad, just the one part of it was. And then, you know, I see online, Wing is really popular. And so is Seed. So I tried watching a little bit of Seed. And Seed was basically just Wing again, but dumber. And I'm like, why? And then it's like, oh, there's also Seed Destiny. And it's worse. And even the people who like Seed don't like Seed Destiny. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you the secret formula the I'm the, the secret secret Gundam formula. Basically what it is is they they realize that you know if we if we have really awesome robots and very attractive young men, basically the boys will like it for the robots and the girls will like it for the very pretty men. And so sometimes you get it just right with you know Zeta Gundam, where it's like, ha, 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 war crimes, uh, I killed my friend. Um, and then other times you get Gundam Wing, where it's, you know, we're in a 90s music video, don't mind me, I'm gonna try and kill myself. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm trying to find fault in the argument, and I can't. So, <laughs> uh yeah, no, it, it's a no-win situation when a game dies. Let, let me be clear. I'm not actually no. celebrating the game's fall. Far from it. Uh, dead games oh. is a lose-lose proposition for everybody. But yeah, like, when was the last time anyone saw them ever advertising that the game exists? Like, seriously. I the honestly, the only, the only reason why I knew about it was because I was on Steam, and I'm like, wait a second, this is a Gundam game on Steam, and it's a shooter, and it's free, and it's, you know, team, so, you know, I could potentially get a bunch of my friends, and we could all play Gundam and shoot each other, and then I tried to play it, and then it wouldn't work on my potato, and I'm like, oh, man, I wanted to shoot the professor <laughs> in a gun tank. <laughs> gun tank. Um, the, the, this also... Uh, brings up the fact that unfortunately we live in a, a, a world and a gaming a no, no, you were gonna say it this you were gonna game. say it he's gonna yes, say it <laughs> um that uh for some reason people like to accept the always online live service uh mentality where once a game is done it's going to be just it's gonna be disabled and never heard from again when you have people who still play games like EverQuest and Ultima Online. Actually, wait, those are live service games. I do, those are terrible. Uh, I was like, that, that, that yeah. That, that, like, that, like, you picked literally the worst we, we examples you actually could. Congratulations. We still have people who can, we still have people who can play, you know, uh, because of archive. You can still play, like, uh, let's see, you can still play Final Fantasy 1 and 3. You can still play, uh, <laughs> yes, I, I don't know why you know, my brain you, went to you know, I'm just for some reason. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, at this point, you know, there's just like, ah, yes, you can still play Final Fantasy one and and three. At which point, then a ranger is like, I sleep. Boy, <laughs> where's my favorite? I wake. <laughs> and the ranger really uh, Final Fantasy two is uh, his two apparently really f uh, his favorite. PS1 games, Gex and the other one, I can't Croc. remember, is coming. You made fun Croc. of Croc, and you really upset him. I did. I was, I was making fun of Croc. I was saying, 
Even though I, as I go back to it, I realize that the controls were really terrible. <laughs> I mean, I loved Alone in the Dark, and but I'm going to be honest, the tank controls did not age particularly gracefully. See, what I'd like to see, Professor, is you actually go and, and look at, at like the, uh, what, is it the sixth generation? The, the PlayStation 1 in 64? And I later the Dreamcast? I think so. I could be wrong. Yeah, that period of gaming is really weird because developers are like, guys, 3D. And then the other guys, the other engineers are like, but other guys, how move? And the first engineers are like, do not know. Yeah, it's so very experimental. Yeah, so you get a lot of wild and wacky things at that point. And Nintendo was like, uh, oh, just use these weird little C buttons. But but that's a terrible layout. Okay, just make it so that the level forces the camera where you need it. And they're like, okay, that like kind of works. And then a lot of guys on the PlayStation funny. side were like, Lol, DK, just make camera go anywhere and everywhere because. You know, honestly, I, I am of the opinion that Octodad was one of the N64's, like, senior developers. He's <laughs> like, I don't understand why you guys aren't using your third limb. Like, why, why, to, why, you know, why aren't you using the full trident shape? Because you're like, I have enough hands to use this controller properly. What's wrong with you guys? I gotta say they yeah. got it right with the GameCube controller because less really is more, but like, yeah. And then there was Capcom who was like <laughs> moving the camera. You guys, your guys's camera moves. <laughs> so I mean, really a little experimental, um, and we're still seeing repercussions of that to this day, which is definitely fascinating. Yeah, like even Devil May Cry basically is like moving camera. Lol, Lamau. It moves just on a track. <laughs> but uh, no, that that being said, uh, I thought I had nerd news, but now I can't think of what it was. Oh, uh, Pikmin wrong. 4 oh. dropped yesterday as of this recording. It actually would have been uh, last Friday as of this episode going live. So that's exciting. When I get my fun budget for next month, that's probably going to be the pickup that I get. Neat. So that's pretty neat. Nice. Mm. Oh, and uh, I played Pikmin. Never was super into it, but I can see the appeal for it. Right. And uh, here's a bit of nerd news for you. We just celebrated the 54th anniversary of the moon landing this past week. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yep. Yep. And uh, that's really cool because uh, we, we, we got to the moon, boys. We, we did it. And we found nothing. No space babylons. That just means that we need to go further into the final frontier. There were no dragons. There were no space babelians for Hot Bod, Handsome Face, or, or Space Captain Face. I'm sorry. That was a different Strong Bad doppelganger. Uh, and, and so, obviously, the problem is just the Milky Way. And we need to go, like, way, way further out to find dragons or space babelians. But, you know, one step at a time. You know, what'll happen if the, the space babelians are actually dragons? That, uh, I, I see this as an absolute win. All right. Uh, to continue on. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Are, are we just gonna, are we just gonna have, you know, nothing but uh, news from clockwork? I mean, I, I 
Throw the floor out if if you have some news you can throw it out too. Too. That's why I wanted to go last. No, it's just it's going to be a case of it's going to be a case of you're going to talk about a bunch of DLC fighters and it's going to be like, oh okay that's uh yeah well we're twenty minutes in so let's do a bullet point version. Yes. Give us the rundown, Clockwork. Well, I wanted. Well, the one, the okay, the good news we have Rashid coming out for Street Fighter Six, July 24, twenty twenty three. If you like the character from Street Fighter Five, he's coming out. Mortal Kombat One uh, released their DLC uh, pack that they're going to be releasing um, after the game is out. I'm assuming it's with the the characters, um, the character that are coming in within time. It is uh, Quan Chi, Takeda, and Ermac as returning characters and two new uh, multiverse characters, I guess you could say, since they're not from the universe is Homelander and Omni-Man, um, which I, which I feel are decent picks, uh, are decent picks, at least on the uh, Mortal Kombat side. I don't know Omni-Man or Homelander very well uh, or any, pretty much anything about them. So I can't make that decision. Uh, and then we have, and then the one thing I want to talk about, uh, that I kind of wish, uh, a ranger was here for, cause I think he was the one who really lo- was really excited for this, or it might've been cog was, uh, they released the armored core six story trailer, which looked really, really good. Um, no actual gameplay or anything like that. I'm assuming most of the con cause the content, or at least the, the, the video looked like the, the other trailer they showed that actual gameplay and it looks really good. Uh, release date for that is August twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. There is a rumor that some that some people have gotten the hold of the box of the game in Japan, and it seems like it's going to have multiplayer and a spectator system. So it sounds like possible oh. mech mech com, uh, PvP combat. Question mark. Uh, Not one hundred percent sure on that. You know, Noodle actually is uh, is a big fan of those. We we why don't we ask him? I recall the earlier ones having multiplayer. Um, I do not recall there being multiplayer, at least in in four and four answer, which I played. Um, or it might have been online only multiplayer, which we were poor and I didn't have Xbox Live then, so it wouldn't have really mattered. Uh, but there wasn't local multiplayer or anything um, on those ones, but. Yes, I am a huge fan of Armored Core. It's like I'm a huge fan of pretty much everything FromSoft makes, except for those things that are PlayStation exclusive. God, exclusive things in still, 2020. Jesus, must be, we're still hoping that one day Blood War will become non-exclusive to everything. <laughs> that's never um, going to happen. That that's most likely happen. not. But we also said the same thing about Demon Souls. Like what happened? Oh wait, Demon Souls is exclusive still. Oh, PlayStation. Yeah. Because for that had a contract uh, limit date on it, though. I might be wrong. I don't. Uh, it's called, See, the uh, problem uh, is, is that back. Sony is basically like a one of those deep sea uh, squids. It's like once it gets its tentacles on something, it never lets go. Well, and. Well, Sorry, the reason, one of the reason oh. that Bloodborne is exclusive is because Sony literally helped pay for his development. Well, it's it's not just that. I'm, I'm not. I, I get that, and and like you know, as I understand it, that was part of the thing with with Demon Souls too. But like a lot of the games that were on the PlayStation One, uh, like like um, 
Clockworks Baby, Breath of Fire 3, or, you know, uh, SMT3 Nocturne just came out officially had a port on PC last year from a game that was, you know, is is almost no, is old enough that it could actually uh, not only vote but also drink in the United States now. It came out in 2002, I want to say. So, yeah. Also, I did get my games incorrect. I was talking, I meant, I was thinking of Final Fantasy 16, which has a one-year contract exclusivity, I believe, with uh, Sony, which is why it's only on the Sony console right now. But his plans is to come out on PC he, uh, when the contract ends. Uh, and we thought that the new Demon Souls, the remake, was supposed to have something like that, but I could be, I could be misremembering if that was actually a thing or not. Right. I was trying to... That's what I, I mean, was trying to reference. Because it's sure. happened before. I mean, it's going to be another Souls game, dude. I mean, you know, it's it's like one of those things of, you know, it's like, yeah, they play differently, but it's like, you know, you play one, you, you play another one. I have never right. been so offended by something I agree so wholeheartedly with. <laughs> 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 I mean, I know, I know, I know that, you know, they, they do play differently, but it's like, you know, you collect the things, if you, you, you die, you lose your things. I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of playing through vampire souls. So, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of a thing that, that when Elden Ring released and even now people are still just they call the sites of grace bonfires and they call they call the runes souls and they they call the flask of crimson tears estes and it's just like all of that stuff it's like yeah they've got other names but it it's just one for one analogs to things that's in every single one of your games you guys it's you know still just a huge it's still just a huge tribute to kingsfield so you know, I'll say this. There's gonna be uh you're gonna get a you're gonna get a a, a nanite booster that's gonna recover your a- HP, right? <laughs> All right, we have to crucify clockwork now. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna throw we're gonna throw him down the stairs and then you know have a thing that says, you know, this guy, you know, this guy blasphemed against our Lord and Savior Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, you know what? I have my pros and cons aimed towards the Souls games, but like, don't 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 start dragging dragging Cyberpunk into this. Okay, don't just don't. Wait, yeah, don't take the Souls games with it. Cyberpunk. Come on, I wasn't I wasn't dragging Cyberpunk into this. I was dragging the fact that an Estus Flash would be like a a booster that w- would heal your uh, your. Uh, tank by recovery. You, you are entirely thinking of this too, too literally. There, clockwork. I know, but still, <laughs> I know I am, but still, that's how I work. Unfortunately, sometimes. All right. But uh, yes, other than that, I, that's all the that's all the news I had. Great. Awesome. Uh, I was just saying, I'm entirely with the snack on this one. Don't. <laughs> don't don't you dare taint <laughs> Armored Core by bringing terrible things like cyberpunk into it. Come on. Oh, <laughs> All right. 
So now that we're half an hour into our, our episode for this week, let's get to the point, shall we? Are you guys ready? Because we're going to talk about some bad guys. Or rather, I should say, we're going to talk about antagonists and what makes them good or bad uh, antagonists. Uh, but you see, here's the thing. Clockwork was just proving our point by holding our, our podcast hostage. Oh. And, you know, I'm sure what he's doing is he's going, ah, you see there, Professor Snick, I'm holding your podcast hostage, and now you have to listen to me talk about Street Fighter Six. Clock, While well, I have my moon laser. Clockwork is Professor <laughs> Bad Doom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is funny, as I'm the one who voices Bad Doom. <laughs> yes, that, that was the original joke, in case anyone missed that. That the joke was that Bad Doom and Sneko were supposed to be me poking fun at that guy with the glasses skits. Because it was all me talking to myself. There's literally no one else who speaks in that entire episode but me. In case that was too subtle, you know. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, that was... I mean, I, I think it's great with the remastered version that you did. Unfortunately, I feel like it went over the audience's head and they did not appreciate the sheer brilliance of the fact that it literally is... You just, it's literally just badly photoshopped versions of you talking to other badly photoshopped yeah, versions like of yourself. That's literally the joke. I even draw attention to it when Starfish Stalin's Snack Kaijin jumps on screen. I say, I need to find another hat because it's me getting into character for another character coming on screen. That's literally why I say that. So let's talk oh, about that. What what made Bad Doom compelling villain for exactly three thousand two hundred and forty nine episodes uh, before we finally decided to, to 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 let him retire with the Godzilla destroy all monsters melee episode? Uh, oh, I think it was the fact that he had a he had a tragic backstory. He did where he, he did. could not, and so you know instead of trying to you know go on a a path of. of you know, strengthening his body and his beard in order to, you know, become the true, you know, Dr. Beard Doom. He sadly went down the path of evil. He, he made that choice. Yep. And he, he only unlike, grow his villainous mustache. Unlike Snek, he is the mirror, you know, to Snek, where Snek is trying to get better and become, you know, stronger. Bad doom turned to evil in quick, you know, easy ways to get good, like looking up FAQs online. Oh, no one would do that. <laughs> no, I, I definitely never, ever needed a guy to finish a game ever before. <clears throat> That's good. Cough, cough. That would be, you know, leading down the path of evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting villain backstory. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's actually touch upon villain backstories because you know what i'm really sick of and this is going to be this is going to be my negative what's what's that professor i am so sick and tired and this is mostly a disney thing but lots of other people are emulating it because they're like oh my gosh you know you know cruella deville she she was not just a psychopath who hated animals she actually had this really really sad slash kind of darkly hilarious backstory about dogs killing her mom so she's like totally vindicated and it turns out she actually's like really cool and sophisticated and deep and tragic no 
She was yes, a that. psychopath. The entire point was that her name was Cruel Devil. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say that she's a psychopath. More that she was just kind of a, a jaded old money aristocrat. But I mean, yeah, it's the entire point is that yeah, she's she's not a nice person. She she literally has hired hitmen that are stealing things from people and you know threatening others <laughs> she's not a good person and yeah the, the margot robbie film is just i don't know it's it's really weird it's really weird it's like trying to be a period piece and yet also simultaneously trying to be like oh girl power and, and like they did the same thing with the maleficent movie it's like, oh no, she she's misunderstood. No, she was a crazy witch who was slighted at a birthday party and decided to like cast an entire kingdom into ruin. Like that yeah, is not to be misunderstood. Fairy. I thought she was a fairy. She, she's like a weird dark dark, thing. dark fairy she is, thing. She's a fairy. Oh, so you mean a fairy? Um, well, yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> um. But yeah, she yeah, she was a fairy. And you know, I I think possibly and a little bit of tangent, um, Maleficent is at least I think Maleficent gets a little bit more of a pass, even though that no, that's unnecessary. Um, because you look at her characterization in Sleeping Beauty and she shows up and she's like, Oh, oh, I my invitation must have gotten lost. She gave them an out. Yeah, she, yeah, that's she true. Gave, I forgot yeah, about that. She was just like, oh, my invitation must have gotten lost. This must have been an oversight. And then the, the king and queen could have been like, oh, yeah, that was definitely totally an oversight. That is definitely that was, what happened. Yes, we are so glad you're happened. here. We're so sorry. Accept our deepest apologies. Now that, now that you mention it, Noodle, that, that entire opening intro is very passive-aggressive. Where she's like, yeah, I'm so just, you know, it's okay. It's okay. What's that? You know, everyone else is giving gifts. I'll give the gift to, I'm going to give the gift of murder. (laughs) (laughs) And see, the thing is, is that if they were smart, they would have invited her and the other fairies too. Because then the whole like thing with fairies uh, the other fairies were like, oh, yeah, we're going to give her a gift. And she would have been like, I'm going to prove how powerful I am. I'm going to give the best gift. I'm going to give the most amazing gift. Because that's how fairies do. Yeah. But the, that, see, that's a thing in European folklore. You don't make the fairies mad. You, you don't. See, do I was that. always. See, the problem is, is I was always under the impression. And I mean, I will I will defer to the fact that you, Noodle, you are more familiar with Irish and Welsh folklore than me. But you don't want to really mess with the with the nature spirits, especially the Fae, because they are to say they're cat like is kind of an insult to cats because cats have more of a logical thought process. Cats are less arrogant and self-centered than fairies, yes. Um, well, I was just thinking, you know, they'll be like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'll kill you, you know, with cats. Whereas fairies will just go you know, like, you turned your head on a Wednesday, 
that means that you wish to die. It's like, see, but the thing is, though, the, the thing is, though, is that one, they made it worse by not inviting her. And two, if they had invited her, there would have been guest and hospitality rules in play. Which would have uh, bound her to certain good conduct, which was violated when she came in. And then they were like, you're not wanted, thereby being bad hosts. So that's the thing. You make you invite the fairies, so then the fairies have to play by the playbook that you know. Yeah, that's true. I, if I remember right, there there are several guys in the Mavinogion that basically win against the other world kings by basically like, ah, yes, you will. We will, you know, meet as gentlemen. And they're like, right, gentlemen. I won't be able to stab you in the back now. <laughs> Funny enough, yeah, that's how you, you get you the have, best ending in uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong. You literally have Twish, Prince of Deved, who becomes an underworld god by just being an upstanding, unhonest dude, and so nobody can stab him in the back or do any dicks, dickish things to him because he doesn't ever violate his word. He doesn't violate guest right. He doesn't do anything bad and so he just keeps having all of this good stuff happen because he's just an upstanding honest and forthright dude mm -hmm. it's almost like that as part of the the cultural folk tales was part of the point that they were trying to go of you'd just be an honest upright and forthright dude and good stuff's gonna happen but, but i think this whole trend because we've got off a very long tangent about fairies <laughs> yeah. um i think that whole trend really has wicked to blame and the weirdly insane popularity that that musical had controversial uh, statement number two wicked was not that good i don't get what the fuss is which okay are you talking about the book because i've read the book and oh my goodness it it is not good but i could don't I, want it to derail us even more i did or are not you talking read about the, the book i was forced to watch the musical and the entire time, I'm like, it's almost over, right? We're on, like, the third song. It's almost over, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I oh, did professor. not like it. Well, I'm going to say this, Professor. A TLDR version, you like the, the Oz books, right? You, you're, you, I mean, you made a joke uh, in one of your earlier books to Ozma. Yes. So, I mean, uh, I assume you're I a fan. read the first three, I believe. Well, if you like those, don't don't read Wicked. It is, it is someone who is knowledgeable of the series, but honestly seems to have an axe to grind, and it's just like, these these books were popular. I'm going to use them, because they're in the, you know, the, uh, op the open domain, so I can just use them. I don't have to pay anybody. It's not a, a work of love or passion. It's it's a work of someone with an agenda. Yes, but to kind of loop this whole thing around, I think yeah, the things that make antagonists good are not the things that make for good protagonists. Hence, why trying to take a an antagonist from a previous work and sympathize them and turn them into a protagonist is not usually great and probably won't work unless you do kind of what 
George Lucas did and have a uh, have your entire story about your protagonist be their fall to evil to become the antagonist in a original work. Just saying. I would argue, I would argue on the opposite end of that. I agree, but I would argue that as a writer, as or as a creative, it's good to know, like in your in your you know series canon, it's good to know. It's like this is what this particular person, you know, be they a dark lord or whatever, wants what their thoughts and feelings are. Um, but at the same time, you need not present it to the world. You don't need to have, you know, you know, for instance, the Dark Lord Sauron go, oh, if only Witch King of, of Angmar, if only they knew that I loved to collect thimbles. I, I just wish to have my hands again so I can collect my thimbles. And, you know, then the Witch King of Angmar would just, you know, pat him on the back and be like, oh, there, there, Lord, we'll get you your body. We just need to kill a bunch more Gondorians in order to do that. You know, it's like, yes, as a creative, you can know that, you know, Dark Lord Sauron likes thimbles, but it, you don't need to really bring it to the fore unless it's relevant to the plot. Um, as a as someone who's really kind of OCD and autistic, I love that stuff. I love knowing all these things about my characters and, you know, like how that would make them behave. But at the same time, I understand that it's not something that most people really care about. And honestly, you kind of get lost in the weeds if you're trying to just add that to your story. I mean, I've often heard the phrase that, the antagonist of a story is just the protagonist of their own tale. But I, I, I want to say that I think that misses the point of certain flavors of villain. Like, can, can anyone, for even a second, let's talk about uh, a pretty a topic near and dear to our heart, Final Fantasy VI. Because essentially there are two main antagonists, depending on which leg of the game you're in. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm not respecting spoilers for a game that's 25 years old. Um, more than that, actually. Anyway, there's Emperor Gestal, who is all like, yes, the Garlemald Empire will expand, and I don't care what you stupid, peace-loving hippies have to say about it, because my empire is the best. And, and so, like, when you actually have the chance to meet and talk with him, like, he actually makes some fairly decent points. Then, there's Kefka. And Kefka is literally just, I want to kill everyone. Why? Because it amuses me. The end. <laughs> this is not a deep or particularly nuanced villain. But I would argue, and here's my third controversial statement for the day, Kefka as a villain is not only far more engaging, far more interesting, and, yes, better characterized than your beloved Bishonen Sephiroth. Uh, because Sephiroth didn't have a personality. He was literally a clump of Genova cells who only showed up on screen alive once, I think, no, twice. I'm sorry, there's two flashbacks to living Sephiroth. Everything else is Genova cells. And yeah, he was just a punk. He was like, Bleh, I'm, I'm Elamau, Elamau, destroy Earth. That's your plot of Final Fantasy VII. If you, if you cut out all the unnecessary bits. 
you know, I just need final grug seven with a, everyone replaced with a caveman. Am am and destroy Earth. <laughs> Earth dumb. Earth throw rock at Earth. <laughs> Steve, Use I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say controversial noodle statement. All Final Fantasy numbered Final Fantasies after five are downhill. Six is still good, but it's all downhill from five. <laughs> Yeah, that's Ooh, see, that's I, fair I say, with you the know. asterisk if you count that fourteen one zero as what actually like the truest form of Final Fantasy fourteen. I would agree with that statement. Um, whereas I think Modern fourteen is like a completely different game and better for it. Um, so I, 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 all we need is that. You know, I'm just imagining myself. You know, just noodle there doing and and, and uh, the professor both doing the uh, the predator. You know, handshake, and it's like <laughs> Final Fantasy Five's the best. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah, let, let's let's talk uh, about the nuanceless villain because Kefka is a villain with zero nuances. He has basically no motivation except that he's a psychopath, and he's like, "Oh, the Warring Triad statues that will give me just." infinite infinite magic to all magic ever what am i gonna do with it blow everything up like what else I am mean, i gonna do with it i mean there 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 you want to talk about dark souls you know storytelling there there are implications like as i understand it if you talk to sid and you talk to other magitech scientists they talk about how kepka was uh first off is very unhinged and secondly is was one of the earlier uh, specimens that they used in order to implant magicite the way that they did with Celis. Yep. But yeah, it's it's not really. He doesn't ever have a moment where he's like, "I had a poor, poor childhood. They picked me up off of the streets of Vector and they implanted me with evil technology, and that's why I want to destroy the world." He's like, "No, he just he's just a wacky clown man who makes really bad jokes and kills people." Oh, what? Doma wants to just close the door and not let us in? Let's just poison all of them, including the men, women, and children. Just indiscriminate slaughter. And you know what? I, Kefka steals every scene he's in. He's just he's this also huge really, personality. So Yeah, he's also really, really quotable. Like, <laughs> yes. Honestly, the son of a Submariner line just always gets me. That's one of my favorite parts of Six. <laughs> He gets a lot of really good one-liners, and, and and that's the thing. Like for all you little like baboos and Gen Zers who are just like, Woolsey is localized. Shut up. Woolsey did a great job, especially with Final Fantasy VI, and like Kefka just has like this huge stage presence. He shows up in a scene, his theme song cues, and you immediately know what's going down because like, are, yep. Are you still butthurt because of Gerard? Professor, a little, a little. That's an, that. That is a snack talk for another time. That that being said, like okay, Kefka shows up on the outskirts of Doma as General Leo is getting a letter from the Emperor that he has to fall back, and Leo goes, "Okay, technically, with me gone, you're the next highest ranked officer, Kefka. Please, for the love of God, don't do anything hasty while I'm gone." And Kefka is like. Pfft, me hasty no and the instant the very second that leo is out of eyesight he's like okay time to start poisoning those civilians 
(laughs) But sir, General Leo said that we couldn't do any war crimes. Well, I'm not General Leo. Yeah, and just like immediately just massacres these, the entire town of Doma, sends one samurai who didn't stop to take a drink at that particular moment in time. Like you gotta you gotta say, that is some very effective poison. He kills everyone. Yeah, he wipes out all of Doma except one man who somehow just didn't stop to get a drink of water. And like he just does it. They didn't have to. Doma was not even a strategic location. They just he did it because he just wanted to kill people. And by the time you're fighting him as a final boss, he has more war crimes than you can shake a stick at. And you're like fighting in front of the gate of heaven because Kefka's ultimate goal is to cast down God and all the divine powers that be and just become the ultimate crazed god of destruction because he feels like it. And you know what? Still a better love story than Twilight, to bring back an old meme. Uh, the, the nuance Kefka this villain is... War Crimes. <laughs> Kefka X War Crimes is my OTP. Now we have an episode title. Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but that's the thing. It's like, the villain needs to be a character who has a profound impact on the story. And, you know, what other... Really good villain. I mentioned this earlier, and Yutaku kind of got a kick out of it. It's like, you know what other villain is just fantastic? Robbie Rotten from Lazy Town. <laughs> like, the, the yeah. man has one motivation. He wants to be a lazy sack of potatoes and just sleep the day away. But because Sporticus is in town, all the people in the town are, like, singing and dancing. And as a result, Robbie Rotten becomes the single most proactive character on the entire show, arguably more so than Sporticus himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, dude really... Dude really hustles. He does. In fact, you, he, I, I, <laughs> you fool, Robbie. You became the very thing that you swore to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a character twist right there. Yeah, and he's just like he's putting on costumes and has the art up in a way the best musical numbers of the show. And just like every scene he's in, he's stealing the show because he just has that fun personality. And he's like, he I takes mean, the kids out sailing. It's like, oh, we're gonna be pirates because being pirates is fun. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say he literally was the one who sang "You Are a Pirate." So I mean, yeah. <laughs> so it's like. These are good villains because they leave a lasting impression. And in the latter case, I'd argue more than the heroes do. Whereas Final Fantasy VI Mm -hmm. is a relatively somber story at parts with some bits of levity piled in. And each character kind of has their own moment, unless you're Shadow, in which case you have no moments in the game because you're a personality-deprived piece of wood. Uh, Well, he has has moments, but you see they're, they're gotcha that you have to, you know, pull at by going to certain inns. And you get very specific moments in the plot. Yes. Yeah. And that's dumb. See, you know, I mean, I don't disagree. I'd argue too. uh, speaking of Kefka and Terra or Tina, you know, depending on what, you know, region you're from. Yep. That, I mean, something that I think they do well is they illustrate uh, kind of a principle I hold that, Antagonists need to be a a dark reflection of the protagonist. Uh, in the case of um, you know Kefka and, and Terra, 
you know, Tara is trying to find her way in the world, whereas Kefka goes, I'm not going to find my way. I'm just going to, you know, burn everything. I don't care. And I think that, you know, that that's a really, really powerful uh, dichotomy. Yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you, you look at, for instance, you know, one of the professor's favorite animes, you have Ichigo, who is this very, very individualistic, very freedom-loving guy versus Aizen, whose entire thing is, I want to basically dominate the universe. I want to stand atop the throne of God and basically, you, you know, uh, assert my will on all living creatures. You know, that, uh, that's, uh, that's another good one. You know, as, you know, say what you will about Bleach. I, I honestly think the series kind of lost its way about two thirds of the way through, but I, I, I think that's the, the, my personal mark of a great uh, antagonist and partially why I, I, here's my, you know, hot take. The Joker is not a good villain because he is not a good uh, mirror to the Batman. What, what is the Batman trying to, you know, what, what's the reflection he gets from a guy whose entire thing is I'm going to be wacky and commit low level crime. I'm willing to, you know, hear a refutation, but honestly, it it doesn't seem to jive. It's just, you know, here's some some wacky guy who's committing crimes. Yeah, I think the the other members of Batman's rogues gallery do that sort of thing very well, or a lot better than the Joker, just in you know different different ways with like Scarecrow mirroring Batman's use of fear and. Honestly, I think, yeah, scare mirroring his him straddling the worlds of, you know, law and crime. It, I think they each kind of each of his rogues kind of me, focus in on a single part of Batman and, mm. and and kind of mirror that particular aspect of him. And that's why a lot of people like batman's expanded rogues gallery i'm not really a fan of batman because i think that if you played batman a lot more straight he would just be an insane psychopath i no, think you know what he would be in the dc universe I think moon knight is a is a way is a way better depiction of batman than batman. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you know what in what, what what he would actually be in the dc universe he'd be a member of the sinestro Corps. Their whole thing is the universe is full of lawlessness and disarray, and we can fix it by making the enemies of justice fear the law again. Now, that wasn't his original MO. That was basically a retcon, but I mean, you got to work with what you got. Uh, Batman fits that mold perfectly. (laughs) He would have been a yellow lantern. I mean, yeah, he would have. And honestly, I mean, his entire thing is, is he dons that which he fears most in order to strike terror into his enemies. He is entirely consumed by fear. He would make an excellent yellow lantern, but they never do that because yellow lanterns are the bad guys. And it's like, uh, yeah. And what do you think Batman is? He is kind of a bad guy if you think about what he does. Yeah, like... Let's ignore the really unfortunate implications of the rich guy like going out in his pajamas and punching poor people all day. <laughs> like that's already questionable enough as it is. But like 
the Joker is supposed to be Batman's quote unquote main nemesis, but he, he basically doesn't reflect any aspect of Batman. Now, uh, like going back to my earlier examples, like I think you had made a really good point between Tara and Kefka, where like they they share kind of a similar tragic origin, but one decided to create stuff with the things given, and one decided to destroy stuff. And even yeah, even Robbie Rotten, mm-hmm. Sportacus is like, yeah, I'm like an athlete, and I'm going to teach the kids to get out there and do stuff. And Robbie Rotten, misguided as he may be, is like, I'll teach them to be lazy by being the most proactive man I can be. <laughs> Teach them to be pirates. <laughs> so it's like the, the villain should reflect something in the main character, even if tangentially, which is like, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the times when you see people are like, eh, the, 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 the hero was boring. It's like, was he? Or, or did he just not have that internal clash with the villain? Like, see, I think that's part of the problem with with one of your bugaboos too, there, Professor, uh, with uh, <laughs> with Mister Universe, Mister Stephen ah, Universe. Ah, yes. Where you know you have these these you know godlike uh, you know supremely powerful uh, beings that you know, will basically rule entire worlds that are effectively like. Uh, slaves that are bred specifically to serve them in particular ways and he goes stop doing that you need to be nice and they go oh i've never thought about it that way and it's like wow this could have been an interesting story but you didn't because you didn't go there Yeah, it got I don't a little know. more apparent at the uh, at the end of the series when the literal and well, spoilers for the end if you care or not. I don't know if anyone really cares here. To be perfectly honest, I'm assuming not. <laughs> um, They've had their spoiler warning. The, the end with is it. the end. Like the entire the entire series is is uh the entire series is pretty much as people is talking solves everything. Even the worst problems, and then the worst literal problem happens, where the two the two diamonds, and who are like, okay, we're just going to just destroy the planet because forget it, this is getting too bad. And then he's like, well, what if you didn't? And what if you just like loved each other, or and love everybody else, like everybody else? You know, at this point. And he's like, you know, you know what? Fair. And then the show and and then the show goes on to its other thing. And I was just like. I you know the, okay what <laughs> the, the funny thing is is that the professor here actually made fun I don't think he made fun specifically of that but he made fun of that conceit with the very first April Fools. Yeah. Oh no, there's a giant monster. Why don't you kill yourself? I uh, okay. I, I <laughs> and it wasn't and it he wasn't like that. In, it wasn't like that in the beginning though, because the beginning was more of a kind of adventure. Yeah, it was um, more action oriented. Oh, it was an adventure kind of like what's going to be the monster of this episode that we have to fight and capture because of the corruption. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then like kind of Steven learning his powers and, you know, as he slowly grows into them more and more as he gets better using them as, you know, as as it moves on. And then it just started getting more and more hockey preachy in a way. And I was just like, oh, this is I want more adventure. <laughs> See. And then the funny thing is, is that uh, out of this arose the fact that the professor basically turned to me and goes, I bet 
you can't make your protagonist, you know, try and befriend people and make it good. And I'm like, challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. You can do that well. Like, I think actually probably the most compelling ending of the uh, the latter two parts of the Shadowrun Returns trilogy are done with high charisma builds. Because, like, okay, spoiler warning for a 10-year-old game. <laughs> In uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong, the whole point is the enemies are these very particular group of spirits. And they are very legalistic, they are very literal-minded, and they have a very specific terms under which they can do their negotiation. And you have to learn what those are, so you have to investigate them. And you have to play your cards right when the chips are down. If you do this, you can skip the final boss fight because you point out that they violated their own terms of the contract, and they're like, oh crap, we totally just did. And it basically forces them to get sucked into a wormhole into another dimension. Like, Oh, you are can- you also talking about um, in Dragonfall when you basically... Because your charisma was so high. <laughs> yeah, you can talk you, to the final boss. Basically, like, you were like, don't hey, do that. Hey, Swinger, don't burn Europe. And she's like, well, no, since you were nice and ass. It wasn't no, Foyer Swinger's fault. It wasn't Foyer Swinger's fault. It was the dude who was in control of the whole thing. And and you basically get this moment before you go to Fire Swinger's uh, actual chamber. And you're like, hey, this is dumb. Here's why it's dumb. And this is what you need to do instead of what you're doing. And he's just like, if your charisma is really high and you do certain side missions throughout the game to get certain pieces of information, he'll be like, uh, no, no, you can't make a good point. Like, how dare you make a good point? And then he's just like, ah, oh, oh man, no, you're actually right. Like the, I, I, this is, this is a terrible idea. And he actually will back down and you skip the entire final boss fight. Is that the one? Is it, is it Dragonfall or is it, um, the first game returns where you get the, uh, the, if you're nice to your dog, then it'll turn into a hellhound. Uh, that is Dragonfall. Cause you, you have a, a team mascot. And if you're nice to him, which like, there's literally no incentive to not be nice to him. Uh, he, he, no matter what happens, he mutates into a Cerberus later on because he's actually an awakened dog. But if you're nice to him throughout the entire game, he loves you so much that he becomes a party member. Yes, there's actually a mechanical benefit to petting Doggo. <laughs> it's not just hot. You shouldn't pet. Yes. You should pet Doggo yeah, at every just, opportunity. Yeah, it's not just a thing that you should do just because, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a mechanical the game, benefit to it. No More Heroes, I think No More Heroes 2 specifically, gives you the chance to just play with your cat. And, like, I did it all the freaking time just because it was fun to stop and play with the cat. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't need any incentive to do it i'll do it because the option is available to me which is weird in the uh in the next canonical or next chronological game because then she can start talking and you're like wait a second you couldn't do that before (laughs) that game was weird those games got pretty zany yeah like the the thing with a good villain is that like well well, i guess our bullet points thus far are you know entertaining that you want to see the villain and understand the villain as much as possible. You want to see them. And two, that they need to have some kind of link to the main character. Maybe not even a story-based link, because like uh, the, the Scarecrow, for example, didn't know Bruce Wayne personally. They met in their aliases. 
but the, the fear theming to both characters is very much present in both. And yeah, even if it's is, thematic, right? Exactly. Yeah, even even if it's thematic, it'll work. Um, but it's they still need a a connection, and I think a lot of modern uh, writers just seem to uh, not get that or don't care. Yeah, yeah, and like, and and that's part of what irritates me with the oh no, they're all just misunderstood. No, they 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 aren't. Because not only does that not make sense with their character, it doesn't make sense in terms of who they're they're supposed to be contrasted against. Like, right. the, the the whole thing. Several of these were, were like several of the Disney films in particular were based on on fairy tales that can be recited in about three sentences in total. So it's like there's not a whole lot of of character development to be done there, but there's a moral lesson to be taken away. But like Noodle was suggesting, where it's like, hey, maybe if the royal family wasn't being awful hosts, none of it would have happened in the first place. It was because of their, their, their being rude and impetuous that caused the disaster to happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the villain in this case becomes the moral takeaway from the experience. Uh, that, that's another good quality a villain can have is the villain themselves can teach you something. Whether that's, you know, don't do what I do kind of lesson. It's still a lesson that you can, you can impart. Mm-hmm. See, I think it's, it's funny because the, the word being used very subtly shifted quickly on into this conversation um, from antagonist to villain, because those two things are, are very much not the same thing. That's true. That is very true. Yes. For instance, you, one could argue that um, forget his well, name. To, to pull a to pull back to one of our earlier piece of media that we were discussing, Final Fantasy VI. General Leo is an antagonist. He is a heroic character. Hmm. He is not a villain. Yeah, that's that's true. He is pretty much what would happen if you know. He, if Celis didn't trade change sides, that's what General Leo is, <laughs> and how awful that would be. And it would, and how awful it was that General Leo didn't change sides, so we didn't have him the whole game. God, yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm not even I sure mean, how you. I I I don't. I'm not saying that that from like a a a storytelling perspective. I understand why it happened. Storytelling perspective. I'm just saying that, you know, have his little, the little section where you play as him. And I just wanted more of that. You know, a lot of people did. There there was a saying that I I once heard where uh, kids in middle school were trying to find how to revive general Leo kids in elementary school. were trying to see if Mew was under the truck. Yep. <laughs> I think there was a, a hard drive article that the the Mew under the truck finally died from starvation because no one ever found it. Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> now that being said, I'm not. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that villains can't have nuance or antagonists as a whole. Like we were just saying, can't be nuanced. They absolutely can. General Leo is again an excellent example. Um, the 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 whole thing that I do want to stress is. 
give them nuance that's meaningful and makes sense for who they are, what they are, and what they represent. Because you end up in a lot of weird situations where the villain makes a much better point than the hero does, and you end up rooting for the villain and the quote-unquote villain of the story instead of who the story is actually supposed to be following. Oh, you mean, so, wait, I'm not supposed to be rooting for Frieza when well, he's destroying I, I, Monkey? I, I mean, to be fair, a, a literal god told him to blow up planet Vegeta. And on top of that, Monkey, kind of they, they, they deserve it. Okay, especially post Super Saiyan. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> controversial statements, uh, the the the, plan, the 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 Saiyans literally only bring about death and destruction everywhere they go. Goku showed up on Earth, and at first, it's like, oh, hey, there's the Red Ribbon Army, and, and, and you know they're 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 doing bad, cartoonishly bad thing. And Goku's like, yeah, I'll stop them. And then Goku grows up, and the reason that Saiyans come to this planet is, is, is because they're basically working for the Frieza Force. But then Goku just like name drops the Dragon Balls and causes the Saiyan arc to happen. And like the Namek arc happens by extension because of this. Like, actually, actually, it's not, it wasn't Goku that name dropped the Dragon Balls. It was. Dead Piccolo. The, the, the protagonist name dropped the Dragon Balls, causing the Saiyan arc to happen. The Saiyan arc happening oh, causes no. the Namek arc to happen. And then let's let's skip ahead a few years. Tournament of Power. Mm-hmm. Tournament of Power literally happened because of Goku. Oh. Trillions well, I mean, dead. I, I will I will not argue with that. Yeah. Tr- trillions dead. All because of Monkey. Frieza did nothing wrong. All because of Monkey. <laughs> I played a Majin in Xenoverse 2. <laughs> and I'm really, really mad that the Majin uh, species transformation is just Kid Boo again. Because that's dumb. You know, I want to... I, we need to play again just so you can get beast mode. And I want to <laughs> see if you'll get the crazy hair that <laughs> beast mode gets. That would be interesting. And, and you know, shouldn't shouldn't that be the point? Shouldn't a really fun and engaging villain make you say things like, hey, you know what? Villain got a point. Fr- Frieza may have been in the right here. Like, isn't that way more fun a conversation? You know what? The Empire in Star Wars did nothing wrong. That's true, they didn't. I I mean, yeah. Oh, and I'm sure, I'm sure, and see, here, and here's the thing, honestly, that, that always, like, kills me is the fact that, you know, they talk about light and dark side with the Force, when it really, honestly, should be more like rational versus the emotional side of the Force. Because, I mean, you, you start actually looking at, like, when they start defining their terms, and, and ironically, in uh, a game you really like there, Professor, in KOTOR, when they actually start explaining, like, well, these are the things that the light side is, these are the things that the dark side is. And it's like, honestly, the light side isn't good, and the dark side isn't evil. It's just two different sides of human experience. Yeah, basically. But anyways, I'm ju- I was just saying that, you know, 
the empire did nothing wrong in fighting against terrorists that were being funded by disenfranchised um, nobles from a corrupt regime that allowed slavery. Yeah. Is it nothing of the fact that a, a, a monarch, a subjugating monarch, no less. And you got to say this, you know, the, the, uh, at least with the, the Imperial Navy, they had really, 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 really snazzy uniforms. They did have very snazzy uniforms. They did. (laughs) But yes, I mean, and there, there was all this slavery everywhere in, in the old Republic. And then the empire takes over and all of a sudden there's, there's no slavery, almost like one of the made the you know most powerful members of the the empire was a, a former slave and wanted to take care of that shit. Oh, mm-hmm. let's go one step further, uh, because you know who the deciding vote to 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 raise an emperor in order to right all these political wrongs was. But uh, that was your boy Jar Jar. He was the deciding vote. He handed the keys to Palpatine. And, and what do you know? Like, slavery is gone. The economy is booming. They're able to, to create huge infrastructure projects like the Death Star. Like, wh- who's complaining apart from the disenfranchised monarchs that no longer have slaves? I mean, that's basically what the Rebel Alliance is, is it's the, the uh, disenfranchised nobles and their children. Yeah, and also as they expanded out later on, a lot of remnants from the losing side of the last civil war. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Confederation of Independent Systems? Yes, a bunch of there are a bunch of CIS people with like when they go into like Rogue One and stuff. There, there's explanation that there's a lot of CIS people involved too in the rebellion. But yeah, mm. that's that's tangent into other. Thing. So it's like, yeah, you've got all of these disenfranchised nobles who can't have their slaves anymore and are pissy because they, they lost political power to a democratically elected leader. I am your democratically elected emperor with my giant space station. I love democracy. Well, how else... Well, when you think about it, that makes way more it makes may, makes way more sense to have a galactic empire being run from a mobile space station than from a specific planet because then you don't it, it's the same sort of thing that that the founding fathers of the United States decided when they said that the capital couldn't be within any state. You you know, you can't have favoritism towards any of the, any of the any of the specific planets and the it, you can have this mobile administrative center that goes around the entire galaxy providing support as needed anywhere it's great it's awesome it makes so much sense and the fact that it has a some weapons for for self defense is entirely ancillary yeah but think about no, it. I, it's, I, it's I, the <laughs> ultimate it's the ultimate <laughs> nuclear deterrent who is who is seriously going to raise arms against the ultimate I win button in space military. No one, they didn't have incentive to use it. 
unless they absolutely had to. It was religious extremists who came along and could cause the whole thing to be destroyed mm. alongside trillions of dollars of taxpayer funding and the entire cast and crew who were on board. Like, you that's know, terrible. Funny. And presumably because it was a gigantic space station, all of the crew members' families probably live there too. Yeah. There's probably billions of innocent lives on Luke Skywalker's hands. Yeah, seriously. Uh, why? Because of a dead religion that nobody really exercised anymore compelled him to. I, I'm just saying. You know, it's, you know it's, it's funny, ultimately, that, you know, out of all the hot takes that we've said thus far, I think <laughs> the fact that Noodles said, like, yes, and by the way, this is why Washington, D.C. shouldn't be a state. It's probably going to be the most scathing. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that is a thing that I... I I do have a lot of opinions of, and if people complain about no taxation without representation, and this is, you know, American politics thing, which you guys should expect that's that goes off of whenever it's a thing, but if people in Washington, D.C. are so angry about no taxation without representation, which I get it, it makes sense, that is a legitimate concern, um, then they should probably, instead of having D.C. become a state, just have what happened to the residential areas of Washington be the same thing that happened to um, Arlington, D.C., and have it be excised back to the state that it came from, and then they can become citizens of Maryland and and all of that. Yeah, or also, you know, like the founders originally... About, hmm? When you were talking about uh, going on about the Star Wars and like the Death Star, everything. I, I at one point in my head started going, "Is he talking? Is he still talking about Star Wars? Or he's talking about a game of Stellaris that he played at one point?" <laughs> it's not outside the realm of possibility, to be fair. If I recall correctly, Noodle once played the old Forex um, version. Uh, I want to say it's Empire at War, where he became Grand Moff Noodle, and he actually uh, had, he's like, "I can create the Death Star." But I'm not going to. I'm going to create a fleet of executors, super star destroyers, so that way I can actually have greater force uh, uh, greater projection. Force, yeah, greater force projection. The the problem with the, the problem with the Death Star is it can only be in one place at one time. That's true. Whereas you can actually, uh, for the cost of a Death Star, you can have like four super star destroyers, and so basically you can have those as the heart of each of your fleets. And so, yeah, it's it's basically you can be in four places at once rather than one. Grand so, yeah, Noodle is very good at, at at insurrection suppression. Actually, that was kind of yeah. how my game of Spore went. I was telling Dutaku about this, and I was like, my very first playthrough way back in the day when Spore was still new and we didn't know about, well, a lot of the CD underbelly. Uh, my species were crazed, berserk, warlike, and up until... They got into space, and then they discovered the amazing benefits of space capitalism, where we would just trade with every neighbor we had until we put them in a massive trade deficit and then would buy their planets on the cheap. And people who refused to sell just mysteriously stopped communicating with everyone forever, and their you know, planet like would just not be there anymore. It was the darndest thing. It was, it was my personal headcanon with the, uh, the, the goat, the, the crazy monster goat things that you had <laughs> that they were like the giant clan and in, in Gantz where they would just go around and just harvest other species 
So, you know, those, those species that you can't, uh, you know, pay their credit would just mysteriously disappear. And then suddenly you get new hamburgers that would just show up on the market <laughs> mysteriously. Well, one one anyways, part Frieza Force, one part AIDS Odyssey. We're yeah. getting very off topic. Right. Um, antagonist. Actually, I guess I was the antagonist in that story. <laughs> one who makes yes. change and all that. <laughs> you know what made me a compelling villain? Economics. I say, <laughs> love of money. I, like, so, I went the entire time just like brute forcing all my problems. And then I get to space. I'm like, wait a minute. We've been going about this all wrong. Yeah. That's called a character arc, everybody. It's not a, it's not a good character arc, but it's definitely <laughs> there's an arcing motion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not he's not on the path of righteousness but it's definitely a path oh it's a path all right uh paved with other people's bodies exactly the best kind of path not your bodies <laughs> your other people's no i mean i i kind of got my rant out of my system uh I, I think i've covered the bases that i want to uh, let's say you gentlemen uh, I pretty much talked about what I wanted to as well. Master Noodle. I, oh. oh, sorry. Oh, well, antagonists. And there's so much. I, I could go for hours about antagonists. But yeah, we, we kind of got through a very... Uh, we got through the TLDR of, of our points, right. of which... And I guess if people want us to talk more about it, they can let us know in the comment section down below. You know what? You know what, Noodle? You need to be there with us next time we start talking about our, our isekai story that we <laughs> you know, started making. Because I think you would enjoy that. I can certainly try. It all depends on whether or not the... Uh, the Eldritch Demon Goddess lets me. Oh, that, that, that's fair. The, the Queen demands many a sacrifice, and well, it's sure not going to be me. Master Clockwork, I, I talked over you. I apologize. No, it's okay. I was going to say that, I mean, I didn't actually have a ton to bring on the topic at hand. And mainly because most of my antagonists that I can think of off the top of my head are very one-dimensional. Well, very stylish, but very one-dimensional. And don't really have a lot really going on with them. The only antagonist that I know of that I liked that had a bit more nuance to them was when I watched the cart- the French cartoon uh, Wakfu, uh, the uh, villain and antagonist Knox, who sole purpose for doing what he did was to turn was to turn back the clock of time to save his, or to, to be with his family again that perished or so he never really got to sit down and talk to with apparently because he was too busy with working for the god of time uh ends up succeeding actually succeeding beating the protagonist and doing exactly what he wanted to do only to fail and realize that he can't turn back the clock, you know, matter how much power he has, there's not enough power, not enough wakfu in the world to do what he wants to do, unfortunately. Oh, I think um, that sounds pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. 
That's but it's better than I have cool sword. I must have power. <laughs> what I mean? What are you talking about? Having a cool sword. And if there's one thing that I've learned in my my political science studies is that strange ladies distributing swords is in fact a legitimate basis for a system of government. Yes. You know what? Gents, I think I have my new exalted character. <laughs> okay. I've already done n- night with horse. Now I'm going to do. I have a cool sword. I need ultimate power. <laughs> nice. Nice. <clears throat> well, uh, in that case, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And uh, this is a very lively and possibly controversial discussion. <laughs> I eagerly await the comment section for this one. I always have to bolster my wall, my uh, firewalls for all the for all the comments that might come through. If this ever if this ever were to blow up, blow up in some certain way, <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. You never know. And, and that's know. the thing. Like you know, that, that's the fun thing uh, is getting to defend our positions uh, if questioned. So that should be fun, right? So thank you. you. Bring your firewall down for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's pretty much public forum. If YouTube doesn't delete it, then I'm sure not. Uh, you guys want to make fun of me in the comments? By all means, have at it. it wouldn't be the first time. So I do it all the time. Yeah, no, he totally does. <laughs> <laughs> that said, that said, uh, thank you guys for joining me in this episode of our wonderful podcast. We are trying to get episodes of this season out every Wednesday. And look forward to season two happening in chronologically confusing order. Uh, coming soon. Trademark. Registered. TM, live life. Love. Limited liability company. Live life. Love. Live alive. Live alive. Yes. No, so, so thank you guys again. And uh, everyone at home, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and all that other shilling I am obligated by law to do. And uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast, produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Inside Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.